It's a new day. Yes, it is. From the Upstate's talk station, putting the spotlight on the evils of socialism and progressivism. Bernie Sanders is peddling socialism to our children. It's a dangerous thing. It's got to stop. Boldly proclaiming conservatism for a new generation. Government is not the author or source of our rights. And you don't make America great again by giving more power to one guy in Washington, D.C. Mobilizing we, the people, to reclaim our republic. You make America great again by recovering a constitutional republic where Washington is populated by people who are servant leaders, who want to return power to the people and to the community. Say, this is my future, this is my kids, this is my grandkids, this is my country, damn it, my country. Stand up and fight for it together. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program on 106.3 WORD. So I mentioned I came across a piece that I think resonates with a lot of people. It's really good stuff here. It's called I'm Just About Done With Politics. Starts off a good friend of mine, an expert in politics, lamented to me about the people's unwillingness to engage where it matters. It's like having a cure for cancer and no one wants it. I volunteered, organized groups, served on boards, given speeches, held countless meetings, taught courses, spoken with press, been on the radio, podcasted, blogged, emailed, and reached millions and millions online. Yet, save for a few thousand people or so who get it, the rest will not stop complaining, reacting, chasing rabbits, and focusing on things that make no difference. Kind of interesting, isn't it? This is the perspective of Ted Steve Nutt, who joins us now in the broadcast. Good morning, sir. Hey, Vince. How are you this morning? Doing very well. And I guess I would start off here, and you and I uh, had a conversation the other day, and it's uh, this is the year of the insurgents. And in many ways, uh, there are a lot of people excited, and there's a lot of energy out there. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that you would write a piece, I'm just about done with politics. Where's the disconnect here? Well, the big issue, um, I, you know, it's difficult to boil things down into just, you know, a few words, but, um, if people feel like, um, they've changed things, um, I think they need to, to double check the math. I think they need to say, you know, what is my ability or what is the people's ability to really replace uh, elected representatives who, who are principled and who will represent them and, you know, protection of individual rights in the Constitution? Um, and, and to that, you know, as you look at what's going on, even though there's been this big upset of the apple cart in the presidential race, um, um, the establishment in the main is getting reelected uh, really across the board. Um, it's been a consistent problem. Um, for example, Congress has a disapproval rating of 77%. In 2014, uh, they had an approval rating of 13%. But in that same year, over 96% of incumbents were reelected uh, in, in November. And so the people are upset, they're unhappy, they're not, you know, they're not pleased about the direction of the country, <clears throat> yet they keep sending the same people back. There's this disconnect between uh, what the people do and, and the impact it has on the system or the direction of the country. And so, you know, I, I read all this stuff about, you know, the presidential race and, you know, how, how things are going to change. And I'm just, I look at the numbers in these primaries and I see the establishment just completely, you know, winning everywhere except in the shiny object race. And I'm just shaking my head going, what the heck? What's it going to take people to pay attention and, and change things where they matter? And to that end, 
um, I think the, the place where people can have the most impact is to take take back, if you will, uh, the political parties on a local and state level. And this is really where everything's happening. Um, even even in the, you know, I cite an example of the Bernie Sanders race, where he, uh, you know, his, his supporters knock on doors, they put bumper stickers on their cars, they donate, they, they turn out the vote, they win, they do all this stuff. Their candidate even wins in New Hampshire, yet Hillary gets all the delegates. Well, why does something like that happen? Well, the answer is it's the party infrastructure in that state. And every state has a process for individuals to get involved with reforming, with getting, you know, with, with playing a part, playing a role in the party infrastructure. Um, and so while we're, we focus on these big races, it would be better for the country and we could make more impact if people would focus on things locally and within their states um, to be able to change and the party infrastructure, impact the party infrastructure to, to, to maintain and uphold the integrity of their parties and put better candidates forward at all levels. We're talking with Ted Steve Dodd. I want to talk about specifically uh, where you put a good part of your attention, which is in the state of Ohio, where you are. Give us a sense of what happens, because I think uh, what you've described there is very, very interesting about the the power of this infrastructure that can work for or against us. How important, how important it is it for grassroots people? to saturate these positions of power? Well, the, the party infrastructure, okay, individual members on a, on a state level. Um, South Carolina is a, is a central committee state. There are two types of states, caucus states and central committee states. Um, but they all send members to the national committees, so the Republican National Committee or the Democrat National Committee. Um, each state sets its own rules. Um, and so uh, the individual people in states participate in the parties, um, in, in your case, in, in our case, in Ohio, um, central committee members. Um, they elect party leadership. They approve the party bylaws. Um, they set the rules for how the primaries unfold. They they have um, the ability to censure a candidate or, or, or you know pat a candidate on the back if needed. If needed, um, if a candidate uh, is is elected to office and goes completely awry of the principles of the party, the the people on the central committees are the ones who would say the state party or this county party condemns what they just did. Um, they are they can be stewards, and they're responsible for maintaining the integrity of the parties. And a, and a very, very important element of all this <laughs> is that since the early 1800s, um, the process of gerrymandering um, congressional districts in, in our country has been just widespread. And you have um, a circumstance resulting in that the decision that's made about whether or not a person is reelected is really made in the primary. And you can make a statement that says he who controls the primary controls the general. Um, because of the way these lines are drawn, um, victory is almost automatic in November. So the idea of remember in November is kind of, you know, really, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's it kind doesn't of a work joke. out that way. Yes. <laughs> you need to remember in the primary. And so if he who controls the primary controls the general, then what are the elements involved there? And what we see is, is these local parties are the people who are responsible for endorsing candidates in the primary. And it, it can be as simple as just these endorsements, they create a slate card that's handed out before the election that says, hey, the XYZ Republican Party or Democrat Party or whatever it is uh, endorses the following candidates. And when they put that, those names on those cards, um, that has a tremendous impact on deciding who's going to win the primary election. People really rely on that information. Um, and so the party has this stewardship responsibility 
for the integrity of the party, for the integrity of the candidates. Uh, they have tremendous power. Uh, people rely on them heavily for recommendations. And as it stands, <clears throat> it's kind of a thankless job, right? There's no pay. Um, people don't know about it. People aren't aware of it. Um, but these jobs, in, in the absence of the people, you're doing political jury duty and stepping up and doing this work, um, are taken by political insiders. I mean, they're taken by government officials, elected officials, county employees, contractors, relatives of elected officials, all these people that are really, by any stretch, filled with conflicts of interest um, who tend to endorse and support their own. And hence, we have this integrity problem. Um, and it's, it's sort of a garbage in, garbage out. If you don't put regular people in, in these positions, in these central committee positions, in, as stewards of the party, um, you get garbage. I mean, you get, you get establishment. That's why you, people, they run and they do the opposite of what they say. Uh, they, there's no... And, and the point you're making here, Ted, is the, the fact of the matter is we can't stand by and say, well, the establishment or whatever took this. They didn't take it. We didn't show up, and that's that's where the responsibility lies. We're up against a hard break here. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Ted Stevenot as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. I'm going to talk about how significant what he is talking about, how this came into play in this particular election year, but more importantly, we're going to look ahead and what we need to be doing right now to prepare for 2018 as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. Our conversation with uh, Ted Stevenot, who joins us out of Ohio, and I, I want to just drive this point home about how important this is to get involved at every level of the party. Tell us how this impacted this year's presidential election. Who, as you know, it was um, John Kasich who won Ohio. How did that happen? Well, um, the best way to kind of frame the, or, you know, sort of explain the, the history of it is, is, to, is to think in terms of this political time or the kind of a political clock. The people uh, have sort of a reactive late clock. I mean, they're, um, everyone was focused on the presidency this primary. So in March, um, you know, all the people are going out to vote for the person they liked in the primary, okay? But on that day, we, all, we, have, we elected uh, the state central committee for the party in Ohio. And that central committee Okay, will be responsible for endorsements and what the party does in the coming two years. So for 2018, they'll pick our next uh, governor nominee in the GOP, for example. Um, they'll they'll pick our U.S. Senate candidate. They'll pick a, they'll, they'll be involved in the next round of elections. And so, as relates to your question, so the while cycle, everybody's focused on the presidential contest, the people who are being selected who will have a significant impact on what happens in 2018, they were also being selected but probably got very little attention. That's exactly correct. And, so the, and, the, and the thing about the, uh, the, the election this time was that over two years ago, really you know, two years and about six months, two years and three months before the primary election we just had in March, um, the Central Committee was uh, put in place so the candidates filed for office to run to be the State Central Committee members who subsequently uh, endorsed the governor for uh, the presidential race. Uh, they sent over a million postcards to voters in Ohio. They faced absentees. They uh, had a ground game. Um, they were instrumental uh, in his his uh, run in Ohio. And it's, it's I guess, just a thing to point out that's really significant is uh, 
the people are missing the timing. Um, when it was important to get involved or, to, you know, to change the paradigm was, was really years ago. And because we don't pay attention to that, we find ourselves in this last-minute catch-up kind of position. Um, there, there was a lot of national attention on Ohio that day. Um, I think if, if the party had been in the hands of citizens and hadn't engaged the way they did for the governor, um, Ted Cruz, for example, would have had a much, it would have been more of a Cruz-Trump race at a very critical time uh, for, for uh, Senator Cruz. Certainly, had, had he won Ohio, that would have made a difference in his long-term momentum. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm frustrated by the fact that, you know, so many people are only looking at the last moment. I mean, last-minute rallies, last-minute efforts, you, just, you know, you just see it over and over again when the establishment people, uh, the parties, hey, they're playing a whole different game. We're playing checkers, they're playing chess, okay? I mean, they, they two, over two years before anybody even knew about it, Donald Trump, anybody even knew about, well, you know, 16, 17 candidates running for GOP uh, nomination, uh, they had their establishment people run for, win, take control, be in those seats so that when the critical moment came to decide who the party was going to support, where the money was going to go, what the ground game was going to do, okay, they had their people uh, in the position to, to impact the outcome. And hence, uh, the governor won the, the primary in Ohio. And, you know, by, by many, you know, accounts, I, I, I think that, you know, in, in terms of Senator Cruz's, uh, you know, uh, run, that was very damaging. I mean, if, if, if well, Ted Cruz could have won Ohio, it would have changed the race. I want to ask you about looking ahead to the future. What do we need to be doing now? We were discussing this the other day about, you know, just the frustration so many activists feel because they're very often alone because these are very thankless positions you described. You're not making money off of this. So uh, what do people need to be doing right now to prepare for 2018 and beyond? Um, in, in your state in particular, um, the party is organized in off off-year elections, so when there's not a general election year. Um, and if you go to Ballotopedia and you look up uh, South Carolina uh, State Party, uh, you'll see there a, a link to download the bylaws for the state South Carolina GOP, or I'm sure I didn't look at the Democrat side, but I'm sure that's available as well. Um, but what people need to do in the state is, is, is learn, become familiar with the party bylaws, and, and figure out how, uh, on a county level, on a precinct level, uh, they can show up when they're supposed to. Um, they can run for these positions. They can put themselves in a place where they can begin to have an influence over the, over, over the integrity of the party, over the management of the party of the state. And through that influence, um, that is where the most change can be made. Um, I literally am sitting at my desk right now. I have a resume from a candidate who's running for a local judicial position. As a member of Central Committee, um, people actually send me the resumes. So I get a chance before anyone's even imagined who these candidates are. They haven't even filed yet. And they're, they're asking for the party's support. So I'm, I'm in a position to be able to judge whether or not these people are good, whether they're principled, whether they're, whether they're the right person for the job. Um, and the party influence over, over seeing them through election is just is astronomical. Um, it, we, we started this process in 2010, having regular citizens get involved with the, with the party infrastructure. Within two years, we were, we were in 2012, one of only three places in the country where an incumbent Republican member of Congress was defeated by a primary challenger. It was because we pulled the party apparatus away from the incumbent. I mean, there were many factors involved, but that was a huge part of it. I mean, she 
you know, basically lost her legs, the support. And that opened the door for a person who had never been elected to paid political office before in his life to win a seat in Congress. And we're in a gerrymandered district. And by winning the primary, beating her in the primary, he was a, he was, he just sailed through to victory in the general election. And so, I mean, here's where you make that change. I mean, this is how you buck the system. All this frustration. And I just, I guess the thing is, Vince, you see people, I mean, it's not rallies. It's not phone calls. It's not letters to the editor. It's not bumper stickers on your car. It's all these things that we do that are reactive in nature. What we need to do is become proactive. And the root of what's going on, the root of our problems, and it's really it's true in both, both parties, is the party apparatus, the infrastructure, the, 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 the mechanism that selects our representatives, that frankly has the ability to, to elect and unelect. Or the, the representatives. I mean, if, if a congressperson knows you can't get, you can't beat them at the ballot box, by all accounts, why, why should he or she listen to you? They're listening yep. to the people in the parties who have the power to actually make a difference in whether or not they win or not. And yep. the answer is, you need citizens, you need the voice of people who love their country, who don't want to spend money we don't have, who want the Constitution to be the, the law of the land, who want to respect individual rights. You need real people, regular people. Again, political jury duty. These people need to step into this position to say, we will take responsibility for the integrity of the parties. We will take responsibility for the integrity of the candidates. We will access the true levers of power that can make a difference in electing and unelecting the people uh, who actually represent us. I mean, the people have lost their ability to impact who represents them, to decide who represents them. And as a result, we have lost the direction of the country. And this is the key to getting it back. Well, Ted, I so appreciate the work that you do and explaining this to us because this is, uh, you've basically given us marching orders uh, to prepare for the future, and we so appreciate uh, you uh, providing this roadmap for us. Great to talk with you again. Look forward to having yeah. you back again sometime. Yeah, anytime, Vince. Good, good luck. And, you know, I, I love South Carolina. Uh, you know, my, my parents live in Charleston, and we love to come to, to visit the state. And, uh, uh, you know, you guys, you guys do some good work there, and I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and uh, we will um, try to do even better. There's a certain senator we would certainly like to dispose of, politically speaking. 800-347-1063, our text line 71307. So you've heard the challenge before us. How many of you are up to it? 800-347-1063, text line 71307, 29 after 11. And coming up, we're going to have more of a discussion about this after uh, talking with Ted Stevenon about the bylaws for the South Carolina Republican Party. And there are others who are, of course, more up to speed on this than I am about the timetables and those sort of things. In fact, there'll be uh, one of those questions in the text line we'll address in a bit. Coming up, we're going to talk about an issue we discussed maybe two weeks ago about what the Obama administration is doing with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. This goes back to a discussion we had earlier this week, I think it was, by the way, about the difference between ideology and issues of competence. See, I'm not looking for a more competent federal government. I'm looking for smaller federal government. See, I don't so much want to restrain government, even before restraining governments, we need to pare back governments. Because what's going to happen is we can try to restrain or hold back certain departments for a period of time. You know, the, the solution is to get rid of some of these departments altogether, like HUD. What is the point of having 
housing and urban development. Where is that in the Constitution? We'll deal with this in just a bit. First, want to get to some texts on the text line. Where is retiring in the Bible? Looks like most in it died at very old ages working. Veronica, you're correct. This is a very, if I understand it correctly, this is entirely a Western concept. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with retirement. What I am saying is it is wrong for us to think that there is something that we are entitled to do in this regard. Now, we can plan and we should plan and, you know, all those things are very noble and appropriate. But there's really, uh, you brought up a great point and I'm glad that you're even raising the question because for many of us, this is an assumption. It's a Western assumption is what it is. In response to your previous texter, I want to know just exactly what point in history America was free. That would be an interesting question to go back to the point where things took a turn away from freedom. Our previous discussion, this is just another effort on your part to paint the Trump voters as stupid. Good move trying to belittle millions of voters. Really? Maybe you need to take a look in the mirror. Because no one said a thing about Donald Trump. Not a thing. This is one of the things, and and let me just say, take the opportunity. This ultra-sensitivity and paranoia and defensiveness is, it's really unhealthy. It really is. I'm talking about a comprehensive process. I'm not even focused. In fact, the whole point, if you got that out of this discussion that was about Donald Trump, you obviously didn't listen, which unfortunately I'm finding to be a pattern among too many people who support that particular candidate. If it's not bowing down and worshiping before this man's throne, then somehow we're against him. The world existed before him. The world will exist after him. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a movement that predated this man, this one person. And I don't care who it is. Pick your candidate. This can never be about a person. And if it is, you need to examine what you're doing. In the very least, don't expect other people to jump on your bandwagon. I won't be there for one. Also, Vince, how long before Flimsy Graham is up for re-election? I think that's 2020. Again, make your preparations now. One of the issues we're going to be talking about very soon is registration by party. I think it's time. It's time. Past time. To close, to close, have closed elections. This is one of the problems with the primary process. Because there are people who are benefiting from this that water down the process for all of us. Overcoming government outreach looks bleak. We can't even undo Uncle Lindsay. Seems no matter what what promise a new candidate offers, they soon, they soon get seduced. And that's pretty much how this happens, isn't it? They get sucked in by the Washington system. They get sucked in the vacuum. Referring to Nikki Haley here, once in, it's near impossible to rid ourselves of them. It's easy to say people aren't getting involved. I believe they've become disillusioned with the process and involvement is fruitless. Don't give up. That's what I'm winning. That's part of what I'm trying to encourage you. Do not give up. 
because there are areas of engagement involvement where a lot of people simply aren't showing up. Vince Bill Clinton wasn't just the first black president. He was the first basketball president, all-time scoring leader, most passes in a career. <laughs> His return to rock star status after a disastrous second term marked by scandal, impeachment, and disbarment is regarded as the greatest rebound in history. And he was awarded a legendary assist in the suicide of Vince Foster in a related story since announcing his run against Hillary. Bernie won't go anywhere near Fort Marcy Park. That's howling out of Spartanburg. That's good. I've never really understood the idea of being entitled to retirement, meaning 100% you don't have to work anymore. Now, if you save up enough money that you can live off your savings, then by all means, I personally see retirement as lifelong goal and progression towards being able to spend time working at what I want to work at, less time doing what I have to do to make a dollar and pay bills. Great and worthy thing to do. And I think most people would embrace what you've said. So John Kerry shaking a judgmental finger at Egypt for suppressing free speech. His boss and liberal buddies are doing that to America. Exactly. About freedom. It's a moment-to-moment -moment thing that must be checked on constantly. Yes, you are correct. And alert. Lindsay just voted for another Obama federal court judge. Does that surprise you at all? You know, again... And this goes, this goes to the point of what, you know, to, especially to the person who is complaining about, you know, the usual thing. This is what I'm talking about. Why do you still have Lindsey Graham? This man, you know, long outlived his usefulness. Yet he's still there. Still there. So we continue the broadcast 44 minutes after the hour. Coming up, going to tell you about a very unusual prom date. You'll never guess this one. 800-347-1063, text line 71307. And we can see the broadcast here 11 minutes before the hour of 12 noon. Back to the text line. Vince, I know you don't like Trump. Should he become the nominee? Will you be voting for him? Sorry if you've answered this question before. Let me first rephrase your question. This is not a question of like and dislike, and that's important to clarify, because too much, and, and I will tell you, one of my complaints from the very beginning of this campaign has been this man has behaved and has engaged as a liberal, with liberal talking points, and it becomes about loving, uh, you know, if you don't love him, then you're a hater. So, first off, Let's change the language of this. It's not a matter of not liking him. It's a question of, is he worthy of support? Let me answer your question. I'm waiting for this man to address some very important questions that are still in my mind. First off, we don't have a nomination that's finalized yet. You know, if, if I can just put this put this out there because i think this is vitally important to understand we are still months away from the election we're a couple of months away from the convention what is the hurry can anybody explain that to me to get everybody lined up and unified and i've said before what i want to see is a communication that's going to be somewhat helpful of some values or principles that will give me confidence that that's a vote 
that is one that I can actually make. I'm not there. I'll just be honest with you. So I just put that out there. That's an honest answer to your question. Vince, I'm a Trump supporter. I agree with your first two sentences that your guest interview was not watered down to an attack on Trump. Then you went too far, lumping all his supporters into a single category. That I did not. Did not. I mentioned people who are in a particular category of supporters who are hypersensitive. I didn't say that about everybody. This further confirms my point. So something is read into statements that are made. Maybe you are wrong. Maybe Trump supporters are about a promise, not a person. If so, that's great. Then it's not necessary to bring him up and defend him when he's not even being discussed. That's all I'm saying. Stop hacking on Trump and vote for the absolutist, pragmatic, Praetorian, despotic Clintons. Ah. Vince, you talk about someone who needs counseling. Well, you seem to be obsessed with stopping Trump. Really? See, what I think is interesting, didn't even talk about that today. Isn't that intriguing? Until this actually came up on the text line. And this was really the point I was making. I'm going to uh, actually save a story for tomorrow to talk about this housing thing because this really deserves a lot of time. A lot of time. We also, my goodness, talk about the text line, which is really scrolling away with this one. Vince, I've been appalled and frightened, frankly, by the Donald Trump supporters on Twitter, who I have to block to sanitize my feed from trash mouth. Uninformed cult of personality worshippers. Most of them have a Trump picture heading their profiles filled with hashtags with various Trump themes. The absolute worst of these Kool-Aid drinkers are professing Christians, many of whom are as vulgar as their hero, hero while quoting the Bible, typically out of context. They will have a lot to answer for someday. That's from Ted. Here where you're coming from. I feel your pain. And Jeff, I can agree with your text. I'm sure of one thing in this election. That old bag and her pedophile husband must not be elected. I hope he's not uh, a pedophile, but uh, I know there are questions about some of his associations. Uh, before we go here, <laughs> want to talk about a, uh, a very unusual prom date. This one really takes the cake. I showed this to my wife. She was like, what in the world? Has this guy absolutely lost his mind? Well, there's a guy at prom. He couldn't find a human date to go with him. So what do you do when you can't find a human date? With the idea of asking a girl to the prom, you know, it's come close to stopping the hearts of countless teenage boys, whether they were leaving sweaty fingerprints on a rotary phone or texting you plus me equals prom on an iPhone. One high schooler saved himself from all of the trouble. You know what he did? He asked his own cat to be his date. <laughs> Took the family cat to his prom. Couldn't find a date. Although that didn't stop him from breaking out his black suit and bow tie. The cat was dressed in her finest formal wear. Wearing a tiered pink dress that matched his tie and vest. He apparently didn't give her a corsage, which is acceptable when you're worried your date might actually eat it. <laughs> I'm looking at this picture. This is absolutely hilarious. 
<laughs> we hope their evening was as perfect as the picture of the two of them. We also hope that he treated her to dinner. Maybe even the finest of organic cat food. Paused to open the door of her travel carrier when they arrived at the dance. She is a lady, after all, from the website Petya.com. Prom date, a cat. That is just lovely. We're going to post this on the 106.3 WRD Facebook page. Share this one. This is this is kind of clever. That's dangerous putting that up there. I just want you to know that. <laughs> what's what's the danger, man? Uh, I've, all kinds of things are going through my mind that might be posted onto that. And, well. You, you can tell me whether that is actually no, fulfilled. No, you, you go for it. We'll see what happens. I'll check this from time to time, and I will see if any uh, anything uh, strange happens with this along the you way. You have read the text, so you really doubt. I can't believe you're going to do that. You know, the good thing is, well, I'll leave that alone, and we'll talk about this uh, later on. So check it out. 106.3 WRD Facebook page. Have some fun with this one. I know I will. Have yourselves a great day, folks, and God bless you. Take care.